How do you make a decision when there's no time to decide? Hello everybody, I'm Phil Wilkes. Welcome aboard the Like a Pilot podcast, where we unveil the soft skills pilots utilise every time they strap into those high-speed aluminium and carbon fibre giants we call airliners. This show is your ticket to understanding the how and why behind what makes aviation one of the safest modes of travel. So, it's time to fasten your seatbelts and join me now as we embark on a journey through the skies, where pilot skills become the blueprints for high performance in any field. In this episode, we'll explore an aircraft accident I have no doubt you will have heard about. On the surface, it looks like there was no time at all for a decision-making process, but we're going to take a closer look from a pilot's perspective and see what we can learn about making decisions on the fly. During the worst of the COVID pandemic, like most airline pilots worldwide, I was presented with the opportunity to make alternative employment arrangements. I took up a public service management role in the state in which I live and had the opportunity to work with managers from various backgrounds. This presented me with the opportunity to participate for the first time in many rituals taken for granted by career office workers, such as water cooler conversation. Now, we didn't have a water cooler, but living in Melbourne, well known for its cafe culture, we certainly had a coffee machine. So let's just call this interaction initiated by a colleague as a coffee machine dialogue. Hey, you know, I just love the way Pete makes decisions. He doesn't stop to think. He's just off the hip all the time. Boom, boom, boom. Decision, decision, decision. You say that like it's a good thing, I replied. It isn't, my colleague replied. Let's start by taking a little journey back in time. It's mid-afternoon on January the 15th, 2009. A chilly minus 6 degrees Celsius in New York City. But the conditions are otherwise fair, with a light west-northwesterly wind blowing. First Officer Jeff Skiles is behind the controls of US Airways Flight 1549, an Airbus A320, as it lines up on runway 4 at LaGuardia Airport. Cactus 1549, runway 4, clear for takeoff, announces the tower controller. As First Officer Skiles advances the thrust levers for takeoff, the 155 souls on board expect to be touching down in Charlotte, North Carolina, in about an hour and 45 minutes. As the aircraft climbs away from LaGuardia, the captain, Chesley Sully Sullenberger, comments, Ah, what a view of the Hudson today. Then, less than two minutes after liftoff, birds. Exactly one second later, thumps and thuds are heard as the aircraft shudders. Both engines experience an almost total loss of power. Sully immediately takes a couple of actions to set the engines up for relight and to restore some electrical systems. First, he selects the ignition to start. Think large version of the spark is used to light your barbecue. If there's any fuel flow through the engines, hopefully this will be enough to relight them. Next, he starts the auxiliary power unit, a small engine in the rear of the aircraft used to provide airflow for engine start and electrical power in place of the engine power generators. He then takes control of the aircraft about 3,000 feet above the ground and calls for Skiles to commence the checklist for loss of thrust on both engines. 
It's worth noting at this time that in the 17 seconds that have elapsed between hitting the birds and the checklist being called for, Skiles already had it ready to go in his hands. Turning back towards LaGuardia, Sully calls air traffic control to advise of his emergency. Their interactions sound professional, even calm, belying the tension evident in minor callsign errors throughout the exchange. Let's now join the crew in real time. Cactus 1539 hit birds to returning back towards LaGuardia. Okay, uh, you need to return to LaGuardia. Turn left heading of uh, 220. 220. The aircraft is 2,500 feet high as air traffic control gives Sully a heading to return to LaGuardia. Behind the scenes, air traffic halts departures at LaGuardia so all runways are available. In the aircraft, the crew work together attempting an engine relight. Cactus 1529, we can get it for you. Do you want to try to land 1913? We may end up in the Hudson. ATC offers the southeast aligned runway at LaGuardia. A turn back to LaGuardia will mean committing to overflying Manhattan. Sully considers a ditching in the Hudson instead. Skiles continues to run the checklist for an engine restart. Hi, Cactus 1549, it's going to be left traffic to runway 31. Unable. Okay, what do you need to land? Air traffic control now offers another runway, but Sully realises they can't make LaGuardia. Cactus 15.9, runway 4 is available if you want to make left traffic to runway 4. Okay, I'm not sure we any runway. Uh, what's over to our right? Anything in New Jersey, maybe Teterboro? Okay, yeah, off your right side is Teterboro Airport. Do you want to try to go to Teterboro? Yes. The aircraft is now less than 1,200 feet above the Hudson. ATC proactively informs the Port Authority of an impending ditching while keeping Teterboro in play. Cactus 1529, turn right 280, you can land runway 1 at Teterboro. We can't do it. Okay, which runway would you like at Teterboro? We're going to be in the Hudson. This exchange with air traffic control has lasted less than 90 seconds. The aircraft is now only 700 feet above the Hudson River. In 1 minute 15 seconds, it will be in the water. A day at work doesn't get much worse for a pilot than the situation facing Sullenberger and Skiles. A total loss of power, all engines gone. Close to the ground and the closest airport behind them with the New York City skyline in between. If there's one thing I've learned in nearly 40 years as an aviator, it is that there are almost zero circumstances under which there is not time to undergo some form of a decision-making process. Now, I've said almost zero. So what about the times where there just isn't time to be making a decision? For these times, aircraft manufacturers will have outlined a clear set of procedures that must be followed immediately these events present themselves. Depending on your manufacturer of choice, these are known as bold-faced items or recalls. Fittingly, Airbus calls them memory items as they must be committed to memory for instant recall. As an example, the Airbus A380 has 10 specific memory checklists where the safe conduct of flight is considered to be immediately impacted and there is no time to go through a formal decision-making process. Memory items cover such events as 
Annunciated warnings for dangerous wind conditions. Wind shear. Wind shear. Wind shear. Traffic collision risk. Traffic. Traffic. And impending ground impact. Terrain. Pull up. Beyond enunciated warnings, other cues are used to guide decision making in time critical situations. Two such examples are the decision to reject a takeoff or landing. In both circumstances, the manufacturers and airlines will have published guidance for pilots to simplify the decision making process. If predetermined cues or parameters are triggered, a takeoff or landing is automatically rejected. Is this a particular quirk of aviation? Absolutely not. There are many instances away from aviation where stopping to make a decision can be life-threatening and therefore protocols have been put in place. First responders have the Dr. ABC protocol for establishing their own safety and prioritising the care vital for life when dealing with unconscious or unresponsive patients in acute medical and trauma situations. And residents who live in rural areas prone to fires will no doubt have a fire plan in place outlining the actions each member of their family or household will take on fire risk days and if a bushfire or wildfire threatens. So, what about all the other times when immediate action is not required? Airline pilots spend considerable time in simulators and in briefing rooms discussing and practicing decision making. I would venture that most airlines offer their own preferred tools to facilitate the process and ensure their pilots are working from the same starting point. A quick search online will illuminate a wide selection of decision-making models to assist pilots work through problems systematically and logically. All the decision-making models have common structural elements and mostly differ by the mnemonic assigned to them as an aid memoir. As an example, the decision-making model I was taught in my Air Force days had the very memorable DECIDE as its mnemonic. Today though, I'm going to continue this discussion by introducing the GRADE decision-making model. It's used by many airlines and it's the one I'm most familiar with as it's the one I'm required to use in my role as a trainer. And we're going to look at GRADE by taking a closer look at the US Airways 1549 accident. We're going to look at this accident as, despite the absolute time criticality of this event, there were no off-the-hip decisions. Instead, there is very clear evidence of a decision-making process in play. The G in grade is for the gathering of information. This step involves gathering information that may be pertinent to what you are facing and through all resources available to you. It involves asking questions and seeking input. I personally like to think of the initial stages of decision-making processes being largely about option generation. Information helps inform this process. After they hit the birds, the resources immediately available to Sully were Air Traffic Control and First Officer Skiles. After Sully takes control and directs Skiles to begin the loss of thrust on both engines checklist, Sully brings air traffic control into the process. Uh, this is uh, Cactus 1539. Hit birds through lost thrust on both engines. Returning back towards LaGuardia. Okay, uh, you need to return to LaGuardia. Turn left heading of uh, 220. 220. ATC provides Sully with an initial heading for LaGuardia to reduce his workload. With an emergency in play, an aircraft in distress, 
Air traffic control has their own queue-based decision-making protocols to fall back on. They halt departures at LaGuardia so all runways are available to the returning aircraft. What you can't hear is the information gathered from Skiles. In the first episode of Like a Pilot, we discussed how information flows within high-functioning teams to establish a shared mental model. Skiles provides an excellent example of this in action. There is a constant flow of largely unprompted information to Sully. Skiles knows exactly the sort of information Sully will be seeking to help colour his decision-making process, and he knows when to interject with it. Skiles informs Sully that the aircraft is below the optimum speed for the airflow to windmill the engines for a restart. Sully decides that the aircraft is too low to nose over and accelerate in a steeper descent. Air traffic control knows what the pilots will be looking for, and they begin working on these things so they can add information to the decision-making process. Back is 1529. If we can get it for you, do you want to try to land 1013? The R in grade is for a review of the information gathered. At this stage, you're deciding what is relevant and where your priorities lie or if maybe more information gathering is required. At this stage, Sully has been given a heading for LaGuardia and air traffic control is starting to give runway options. Sully has made an initial determination that the aircraft's speed and altitude are insufficient to establish it in an optimal window for an engine relight. He considers that a ditching may be required. Skiles and Sully continue to monitor the relight attempt. Maybe the thrust from the left engine is coming back up a little bit. Hi, Cactus 1549. It's going to be left traffic to runway 31. Not able. Okay, what do you need to land? In the accident investigation, Sully stated that, based on the airplane's position, altitude, airspeed, and heading away from the airport, and the amount of time it took to stabilize the airplane and analyze the situation, he determined that returning to LaGuardia was not possible. He further stated that returning to the LaGuardia would have been an irrevocable choice, and that, if he had attempted to land there and realised that he could not, he would have had no other landing options. He stated that, before he would make a decision to land on a runway, he would need to ensure that he would not land short or long, that he could line up the flight path with the runway, that he could stay on the runway, and that he would have a sink rate that was survivable and would not collapse the landing gear and create a post-crash fire. He stated that he could not afford to make the wrong decision and that he was confident that he could make a successful water landing. ATC continues to offer up options. Cactus 1549, runway 4 is available if you want to make left traffic to runway 4. Sully decides to gather more information and generate further options. What's over to our right? Anything in New Jersey? Maybe Teterboro? Okay, yeah, off your right side is Teterboro Airport. Skiles keeps Sully informed of the checklist status between Sully's exchanges with air traffic control. Do you want to try to go to Teterboro? Yes. The A in grade is for analysing the information. With the information, you are generating options, comparing them with each other, and determining what may be an optimum solution and how you will mitigate risks. The aircraft is now less than 1,200 feet above the Hudson and it is starting to become apparent to everyone that the options are narrowing in on an optimal, or perhaps in this case, least worse solution.
Air traffic control proactively informs the Port Authority of an impending ditching while arranging runway availability at Teterborough. Sully makes a PA instructing the cabin to brace for impact. Skiles continues to keep Sully in a loop as to the engine relight status. The D in grade is for decide. This is the decision phase. Settling on one solution and implementing it. Captain 1529, turn right 280, you can land right one at Teterboro. We can't do it. In the accident investigation report, both pilots stated that, at this stage, Teterboro appeared too far away. The only option remaining that was long enough, smooth enough, and wide enough to land an A320 was straight ahead down the Hudson. Okay, which runway would you like at Teterboro? We're going to be in the Hudson. But the decision-making process is far from done. Once you've settled on and implemented a solution, it must be evaluated. This is the E in grade. In fact, any good decision-making occurs in a loop. New information is gathered to either validate or fine-tune the original decision, or to evaluate that a new, alternative course of action is required. In their remaining 75 seconds in the air, the crew continue to attempt to relight the engines while discussing the optimal flap settings for the ditching. Air Traffic Control offers another airport alternative, Newark. Sully provides possibly the quintessential example of closing out the decision-making loop in the evaluation phase. 20 seconds before ditching in the Hudson, he asks Skiles, Got any ideas? With the ground proximity warnings blaring in the background, Skiles replies, Actually, not. A practice decision-making process allows you to make a decision when it appears there is no time to make a decision. So, wrapping it all up, don't be a Pete, be a Sully. Unless there is a queue-based emergency protocol in place to guide you, there is almost certainly time to go through some form of decision-making process. And if you need a guide, GRADE is a decent tool for that. Gather, review, analyze, decide, and evaluate. That's all for this episode. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Like a Pilot podcast. For more information, check out the show notes at philwilkes.com forward slash podcast. The Like a Pilot podcast is written and produced by me, Phil Wilkes. If you'd like to support the Like a Pilot podcast, our Patreon page is available at patreon.com forward slash like a pilot. And if you've liked the show, please remember to rate, share, and review.